we began to talk about what it means to rethink the church. There are a lot of opinions uh, of church. Some of them are good and some are not. Um, When we treat the church like it's something that we get to do, we tend to be a little bit more critical. But if we're not necessarily going to church, but following our Savior, the perspective changes. It really does. It's a sobering thing. And it is a challenge that we face, not one or two times in our lives, but every day. And so when we talk about rethinking the church, it really has a perspective, not necessarily on what we do, but who we are. That's a big change. It's a big shift. Last week, we said that we didn't want the church to be about rituals, but about relationships. Because rituals, we can fancy them literally one week and then let it go the next. But relationships are different. We have to look people in the eye. We have to... We just sang a song that said, we can't wait to look Jesus, look at Jesus face to face. That's about a relationship. So this week, we're saying that we don't want uh, necessarily church to be about fans. We want it to be about followers. Followers, not fans. And to kind of illustrate the essence of what I'm talking about. There's a couple of videos I want to uh, show you. Now, you may or you may not necessarily be a football fan, and if you aren't, that's okay. I think you're going to get what I'm going to show you. But two weeks ago, the Chicago Bears were host to the Philadelphia Eagles in uh, the first weekend of playoff games. And it was really a great game. Both teams battled back and forth. And Philadelphia took the lead with just a couple of minutes left. But uh, Chicago had shown more than the ability to move down the field. And they did so with just a, a little bit of time remaining. And with just a few seconds remaining, the, many of you have seen this, there was an opportunity to just kick the winning field goal. And this is what When it was over, Cody Parkey is the uh, name of the kicker for Chicago. People wanted his head. Really, that's not really an exaggeration. They wanted his head. And people were calling for him to be fired, to be released, to be canned immediately. Even though the season was over, uh, and they can think about that for months, they still wanted him just to feel better. They wanted him gone. And then about 24 hours later, they found out that, now you may not have seen it right there, but a Philadelphia defensive lineman actually blocked the kick. He touched it uh, as it went through the air. People thought a little bit differently, but they were still mad because their team lost because he missed. They still wanted him fired. And so to feel a little bit better, someone came up with a great idea. They said, let's have a contest. Let's have a contest and see if people can kick a 43-yard field goal in the cold. And then this happened. It's a lot different when you're on the field, isn't it? It's one thing to sit in our barca loungers with one hand in the nachos and another with whatever you're drinking. It's a whole other thing 
to put the uniform on and go out on the field. That's the difference between a fan and a follower. That's the difference. It's one thing to say what somebody ought to be doing. It's one thing to talk about how, uh, what decisions somebody else ought to make. It's a whole other thing to be in the line of fire and take the heat and make the decision and deal with the consequences. Today's message is going to be hard. I'm just going to tell you right now. It might sting a little bit. It's not meant to be uh, something that says you need to be like this and you need to no longer do these things and you need to start doing these things. That's not what it's about. Because I want you to understand whether we get this or we don't get this, right now, you're in the field. You choose every day whether you want to go back to the stands. But you're in the field. To sing the songs that we sang, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song, the song that I sing on the field, not in the stands, but on the field, my song shall ever be. This is going to be a little challenging to hear. But I want us all to understand if, you, if we're going to follow Jesus, you can't do it from the stands. You just can't. Well, you can. I take that back. You can. But there won't be as much joy. And the reward that you get is only the fact that you could say you're in the stands. I was there when. It's completely different to say, I was on the field when. There's a couple of stories I want to bring to you this morning that kind of illustrate the difference between being a fan and being a follower. The first is from John chapter 6. Um, in the context, Jesus has just done some amazing work. People, he was teaching a huge crowd. They didn't have enough food, and Jesus fed them. It was, it was a miraculous event, and, and people kind of picked up on what was going on. They, uh, there were lots of, not everybody saw what happened, but everybody heard what happened. And uh, y- you know what was amazing? It's, it's a lot like watching a Chicago Bears-Philadelphia Eagles football game with a, with a field goal, winning field goal on the line. People can say they, they, they kind of saw what happened, but they weren't on the field. And when it was all said and done, they didn't see that the kick was blocked. They saw that the kick was missed. Jesus, the people uh, listening to Jesus didn't necessarily hear what was taught, but they know they were fed. And having had that meal, the, the, the teaching session ends, Jesus uh, kind of leaves and goes away. And when the people don't know where he went to, they, they try to find him. All right? And so uh, they, the, the group has just found him again. And this is where the story picks up in John chapter 6. They found Jesus, verse 25, on the other side of the lake. They asked him, Rabbi, wh- Rabbi where did, uh, how, when did you get here? Jesus answered, what I'm about to tell you is true. 
you're not looking for me because you saw the signs I did. You're looking for me because you ate the loaves until you were full. Do not work for food that spoils. Work for food that lasts forever. That is the food the Son of Man will give you. For what God the Father has put his seal of uh, for God the Father has put his seal of approval on him. Then they asked him, "What does God want from us?" It wasn't, "Yeah, we want that food." It was, well, "What's God want in return?" What works does he want us to do? Listen to Jesus' answer. He said, God's work is to believe in the one he has sent. Relationships, not rituals. God's work is to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give us? You know, you're, you're asking an awful lot for us to believe you. I know we just saw you feed us and we just ate our field, but can you do something else to make sure that we should really believe in you? We pick up the story in verse 61. Jesus was aware that the disciples, that's everybody now, were complaining about this teaching that they really need to believe in him. Jesus was aware that the disciples were complaining about uh, this teaching, so he said to them, does this upset you? Then what if you see the Son of Man go up where he was before? He came from heaven. What if you see him go back? Will that be enough? The Holy Spirit gives life. The body means nothing at all. The words I have spoken to you are full of the Spirit. They give life, but there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe. He continued speaking. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father helps them. From this time on, many of his disciples turned back. They no longer followed him. Jesus then asked the 12 disciples, you don't want to leave also, do you? Do you want to be a fan or do you want to be a follower? Fans, really, just a couple of different characteristics of what it means to be a fan. Fans are after the experience. You see, after a while, the works that Jesus did didn't even matter anymore. That was what happened yesterday. What you did yesterday, Jesus, that, that's old news. That's like VHS tapes. You know. What are you going to do today? They didn't want to hear, uh, simply hear about something good or see something good. They wanted, in every sense, to be entertained. They wanted to see, to hear, to touch, to smell and to taste everything. To be, ex- to have the experience of being there in the heat of the moment. 
They want to wear the jersey without getting, getting sweaty. Fans want the experience. Maybe to just come here and sing a little bit or to uh, even be at home and watch online and just uh, be comfortable. Just for an hour. That's all we need. It's just, a, uh, just a, that little experience for an hour. Fans not only want the experience, they want the benefits. The ability to equate knowing Jesus as opposed to knowing about him. The crowd wanted access to him without accountability. Where'd you go? How'd you get over there? Why didn't you tell us you were going over there? We, we ate yesterday. We're hungry now. One of the benefits of being a fan is you can speak or yell from the stands just about anything you want to. To say to the one playing, or in this case, the one teaching, whatever you want, whenever you want, with really no accountability or consequence whatsoever. It's actually a great benefit. It's also the ability to change who you root for on a whim. They were doing great last year, but now they're not doing so great. So that jersey goes in the trash, and I'm going to get this new jersey. But this week they played great, so I'm going to pull the jersey out of the trash and put it back on. There's lots of things that we like about Jesus, but every once in a while there's things that we don't like about Jesus. There's lots of things we like about the followers of Jesus. And there's lots of things that we don't like about the followers of Jesus. One week we're rooting for Jesus and his followers. Another week we, we just don't like it and so we take off the jersey and set it aside. Fans want the experience. They want the benefits. And when it's all said and done, really, really what fans want is victory. Because nobody likes a loser. That's what fans like. Let me talk to you right now about followers. What followers really are after. If you really want to know, Jesus said it. Mark chapter 8 says this, Jesus called the crowd to him, along with his disciples. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must say no to themselves. Must say no to themselves. They must pick up their cross and follow me. We don't really get that when we read it. I I know that many of you have heard it, have read it a bunch of times. We just don't get it because we don't understand that the cross was the most horrific instrument of execution at that time the world had ever known. And so to hear this was too much. You want, wait, 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 wait. You want us to, to what? What? That's not how it works. 
That's not the way it's supposed to be. I just bought a ticket to the game. I, I just want to cheer for a little bit. I, what just happened? They must pick up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Wait a minute, I thought the goal was to win. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whatever, whoever loses their life for me for the, uh, and for the good news will save it. What good is it if someone gains the whole world but loses their soul? It's quite possibly the most bare knuckles statement that Jesus ever made while he was teaching. It challenges us in ways that we don't like to be challenged. And here's the problem. It's not that we don't like to be challenged. It's that sometimes we just aren't really sure if what Jesus actually is saying to us really is true. Now we know it, but we doubt it. We, we, how can, uh, listen, I, I, I've never been on the field. I've never uh, run the race. I've never done that. I've always been in the stands. I've always been sitting at home watching my flat screen. How in the world can you tell me that getting on the field could actually be better? I see what they do to those guys. I've been to church. I know what people say about each other. I was at church years ago when uh, I watched this person do that and it was horrible. And, I was, and I've heard what other people have done and I've listened to what other people... And, and it is, it's hard. Yeah, I, I, I know. I really know. Followers. That's what Jesus said. That's what he's asking. We're not saying that we need you to be loyal to this group. We're not saying that you need to act a certain way. We're simply saying keep your eyes on Jesus. Watch him. When in doubt, say what he says. And do what he does. And I'm not saying that that's going to be easy. Because it's really hard. It's hard when you look your kids in the eye and you tell them that you really want them to be like Jesus even though I just demonstrated how not to be like Jesus. With the things that I say or do. It's really hard when I have a reputation for uh, talking about how good Jesus is at work, but yet today I wasn't very much like Jesus and everybody saw it. It's hard. It's really hard. But the blessing of being on the field is so much better than being in the stands.
followers, fans wanted the experience. But followers want life. You see, followers have figured out that when they're fans, sometimes they can say one thing and do another. And when they say one thing and do another, uh, they recognize that there's this inequity in their, in, in their life. They, they're trying to be one person while actually living like two. And they actually end up not just lying to other people, they lie to themselves. And, they, and after a while, there's only so much of that that you can put up with. And so when we come in here, uh, we're not saying in any way, shape, or form that we're perfect. In fact, we're about as broken as we can be. We are a group of broken people. We're trying to do better. But we are far from perfect. We're not counting on our own wisdom. We're, we're because our experience says that we oftentimes don't use our wisdom. Experience says, even though when we, uh, when we know it's the right thing to say or do, sometimes we won't say or do the right thing. And having done that, we're paying the consequences for it. Relationally, intellectually, emotionally, physically, financially. And we just say, God... I don't want to do life the way that I do life. I want to do life the way that you do life. So just help me. Because as a fan, I used to want the experience. I wanted the high. As a follower, I want life. Real life. The fan wanted the benefits. The ability to wear the jersey with somebody else's name on it. As a follower... I just want to obey. Do you know how easy and better obedience is? Seriously. We say this to our kids all the time, but don't realize that God says it to us. We say to our kids, if you would just do what I told you, life would have been so much better. But now, I'm sitting with you in the ER. But now, I'm having to put this Band-Aid on. Now we're having to clean up this mess and replace the carpet and paint the wall and so on and so on. And God says to us, if you would just trust me and obey, now we're having to go to see a counselor. Now we're going to have to go talk to the principal. Now we're going to have to go home and talk with your wife or your boss. Now we're going to have to try and figure out this budget to make up for the loss. Don't misunderstand. What I am not saying is obedience will guarantee a problem-free life, but I can pretty much guarantee it'll be less of a problem. That's not me telling you how to live, that's telling you how I found out myself. Obedience is so much better. It's hard because I have to make myself second or fourth or 50th. And sometimes I can be pretty selfish. But I found when I just trust God and obey. 
It's a lesson I have to teach myself over and over and over again. And God says, if you'd have just listened. But see, sometimes I'm, I'm afraid that I, I, and I try to save my life. Even though I know, Jesus says, when you do that, the harder you hold on, the faster it slips through your fingers. And Jesus says that. And I, and, but there are times when I believe him, and then there are times that I just worry, and I doubt, and I wonder, only to find out that he was right and is right every single time. You know, I'm 53, and I've been playing organized sports. I started playing organized sports when I was five years old. And it wasn't until I started coaching that I was reminded of this particular principle. Do you, you do realize that no matter what sport you're doing, no matter how experienced you are or aren't, or even good, you never have the authority to do what you want on the field. It doesn't matter what position you play. It doesn't matter how long you play. You are always being told where to run, what to do, given an assignment, whether you will or won't play, where you sit on the bench, where you go on the field, how long you run, how fast you run. You're always told what to do. And I found that when there's a really good coach, you actually find out that what he told you to do was the best. And there's no better coach. There's just no better coach than the Lord. Followers want the experience. I mean, fans want the experience. Followers want life. Followers, fans want benefits. Followers want obedience. And lastly, fans want victory. But followers just want to surrender. God, I, 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 I've never been married before. I, I, I don't know how to do this. Can you help? God, I've never been a parent before. And now I've got this little person in my hands here. God, I've... I've never had this kind of responsibility before. Can you help me? God, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I actually don't. Will you help me? God, I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do. Will you help? God, please, my friend's in trouble. Will you help them? God, I don't want to go do this again, but I'm being tempted. Will you help me? I thought the victory from yesterday would work, but it's already worn off. And now I'm in the game of my life again. Will you help? Anyone who wants to save their life is going to lose it. Anyone who loses their life for Jesus will save it.
a number of years ago, my brother-in-law sent this to me for my birthday. It was a framed quote from President Roosevelt, the first President Roosevelt, while giving a speech to a university in Europe. On my birthday in 1910, President Roosevelt said this. It's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man failed. Or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. Whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms and great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. This is not a group of timid souls. This is not a group of cheap fans who trade one jersey for another. This is a group of people who love Jesus and whom Jesus loves and cares for so much that he went into the arena and died. And everybody thought it was done. But through losing, he won. And that's what it means to be a follower. To have not just simply a great coach, but a great captain who leads and loves and blesses and gives every single day. Now, if you want to be a fan, I get it. I really do. Being a fan is actually really, really good. You get great seats most of the time. You get to eat while you're participating. You get to hear people yell funny things. And you get to watch people do silly things. You can even do it from the Barca lounger. And have people bring you things. But when you're on the field, there's real relationship there. You're playing alongside sometimes people who've been playing for years. 
You've seen him fail and you've seen him win. You've been there when it really hurt. And you've been there when it's really good. And you want to say to everybody, listen, I know it's great in the stands, but it's so much better out here. It really, really is. Oh, there's a price. There really is a price because after a while, the knees don't work like they used to. And the arm can't throw nearly as far as it used to be able to throw. But in the end, it's so good in the end. What you get in the end doesn't even compare to what you spent to get there. You want to be a fan? Or you want to be a follower? God, thanks so much for Jesus who makes it possible. Makes it possible not to just simply have a cheap experience in the stands, but to know the great enthusiasms and to overcome the great burdens to be blessed and to be encouraged to know grace and mercy and to give grace and mercy. Lord, there's just this side of heaven, there's nothing better. We know this. We understand this. Sometimes, God, we're discouraged by the things that we see. We're discouraged by what someone says or how someone lives. Sometimes because of that, we want to quit. We want to stay mad. God, we can't stay mad when you've forgiven us. When you've shown mercy to us. When you've given grace to us. And all of that happens, Lord, on the field. Sometimes it's hard, but your blessings are always worth it. Lord, help us. Help us so much. Sometimes we want the easy way. So give us courage when we're afraid. Give us understanding when we're confused. And no matter whether we're weak or what, Lord, help us to always remember that you never break your promises. Bless us as we do our best. Because, Lord, we just left the stands. And now we're on the field. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.